If you got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read verse, let's start at verse 7. Because we want to remember the origin and purpose of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. These gifts come from God. God sends his spirit to give us, to, to gift us so that we can serve one another in a way that makes much of Jesus. Gifts are not about gifts. Gifts are not about personalities. Gifts are not to uh, puff us up. Gifts are given that we may serve one another. The goal of serving one another being the cross is set ablaze for those lost in darkness to see the gospel. Everything we do here has got to make much of Jesus. These gifts are given to us so that we can be effective in making much of Jesus. Let's read the text from verse 7 through verse 11 and then we'll pray. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you especially for difficult places in the text. Thank you, uh, Father, for, for making us a church that will not skip things that may make us uncomfortable. We need the uncomfortable places of your word to better know you, understand you, love you, and follow you. We pray for our hearts. We pray for our minds this morning that we would be open to, to everything your word teaches, not just the things that we love. But, but, Father, we would dig in. Give us hearts to dig in to difficult things, to spiritual things that we can't uh, seem to understand. God, give us grace to dig in and bring through the teaching of your word understanding to us that we may better serve you which is why you gift us in the first place. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. And every Christian said, amen. amen. Now here's what we're going to do. We've just seen in these few verses, nine gifts mentioned by name. We don't have time to talk about all nine today. So we're going to hold off on some. We're going to hold off on miracles and healing. Uh, we're going to hold off until we get later in chapter 12 when those things are mentioned again. Uh, so we're going to talk about those gifts uh, in, I think, two weeks from now. And that's when we get to make fun of faith healers and all that kind of stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. Um, so we're also going to hold off on tongues and prophecy and interpretation. The reason we're doing that, if you've read ahead, you know chapter 14 centers upon tongues and interpretation and prophecy. We're going to spend an entire Sunday just unpacking those things. So for today, there are four gifts mentioned in this list of nine uh, that we want to focus in on that don't pop up later uh, in our reading. Those gifts are the utterance of wisdom, the uh, utterance of faith, knowledge, Faith as a spiritual gift, not faith that saves us, that God does in every Christian's life, but a special, different faith that God can give as a gift to people. And then we're going to talk about discernment, or as the scripture teaches it, uh, the ability to distinguish between spirits. These are the four we're going to focus on today. But before we even do that, I want to show you, I mentioned a lot of verses for your continued study uh, last week. And all those verses are in your study guides. But I want you to see something. I want you to see how scripture talks about, because so, we need to be on the same page as we move in this. 
I need you to see how scripture teaches everywhere that it is grace that God sends the Holy Spirit to give these gifts for the common good, for the lifting up of Jesus. Everywhere scripture teaches about gifts. These, this is something we can be excited about and not scared of, that God would give gifts to us, that we could love and serve one another in a way that makes Jesus shine. That's exciting stuff, amen? I want everything the Holy Spirit has to give me that will help me be effective in the proclamation of his gospel as I serve uh, you and as you serve me together as his people. Gifts are not just found here. Now, we got three chapters of it right here, but it's not just here. It's not just these nine gifts that have been mentioned already. Look over at the end of chapter 12 at verse 28. Quickly, we see another list of gifts. Some are repeated, but some are new that we didn't see in that list of nine. Verse 28 says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. There we see some new words added to this gift mix like leadership, administration, serving. Uh, nobody really, it's easy to understand what those things are, but some are a little uh, prophecy and tongues. What's, what's that about? Uh, some are more spiritual sounding than others, but they're all gifts that God gives. Now, watch this. Because we're going to go to every Calvinist's favorite book of the Bible. What is it? You, you, half of you are Reformed, right? It's Romans. Ro, every, every Reformed Calvinist loves Romans. Let's go to Romans. Chapter 12. I want you to see how Paul talks, not just to the Corinthian church, but to the church in Rome about these gifts. We're going to start in verse 3 and read just a few verses to verse 8. Now listen to the language. For by the grace given to me. Every time gifts are talking about, it's charisma, it's great, it's not even spiritual gifts. It would be better translated gifts of grace. This is what God does for his people. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When we get to verse 11, it says, he apportions gifts as he wills. Who's the giver of gifts? God. Is there ever a time you might want a gift but don't get it? Yep, because it's his decision and not ours. Please understand, God knows what the church needs and God gives gifts to different people in the church when those gifts need to be used for the love and service of one another as well as the glory of Jesus Christ himself. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We're going to see that same example of the body in 1 Corinthians a little later. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Is, is this talent? Now, are there lots of people, the creative types, and lots of people who are talented by nature, lots of people who can sing well? Are those gifts? Yes, and God uses all kinds of talented people. But, but these gifts, he speaks about a little. This isn't just talent. This is, this is special grace given to a person in the church to love and serve someone else, to love and serve each other that makes much of Jesus. So we, though many, uh, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we, we get God's grace honest people, gifting them. Some of these we saw in 1 Corinthians, but there's some new ones here like generosity and exhortation. 
God has lots of gifts. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me really quick. We're going to get all this out of the way so we can get right into these four gifts. But this is so important. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I love the way God says it here. Hear this, chapter 4. The subheading is unity in the body of Christ. Gifts are, are for us, bringing us together, serving one another, so Jesus is glorified. Let's start from verse 8. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions. Is that hell? Nope, it's the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors the t and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Brent, I thought gifts were just for pastors because aren't pastors supposed to do all the ministry? Aren't pastors supposed to do all the work? No, that was never God's design. Every person in here, God gives, you are not exempt from a good God who wants to give good things to you so that you can serve and love the people around you in this room that brings glory to our Lord and King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who wants to bring him glory? We should, we should want him to gift us then in special ways so that we can be effective because it's the saints. It's the saints that do the work of ministry. Now, I love this picture here in Ephesians. And let's just take a second. Because here's what Jesus did, just as the Old Testament prophesied. He came down. Our king left his throne, stepped into space and time, made himself lower by wrapping human flesh around him. We know in that flesh he lived the perfect life. We know that he took that perfection and died in our place for our sins. But he did more than just live perfect and die sacrificially. He conquered every last enemy that humanity faces. That's why we say on the third day, he rose conquering sin and death and hell and the grave. Each one of those unique uh, and special what Jesus Christ did that we could not do. He came down and he conquered all enemies. What happens in Vikings when some, you know, right, uh, I can't think of any of the names right now. We'll just say Ragnar because he's the one everybody knows. What happens when you defeat your enemies? The kings of the enemies, the leaders of the enemies that are defeated, they come and there's this picture of the great victorious king and he's surrounded by chests of gold and, and tribute uh, and wealth and silver, right? Because he won, so the others have, the, the spoils of war belong to the reigning king. Jesus Christ is that reigning king. He is the divine warrior. He is the one who all his enemies have been made his footstool. He sits on the throne as king of kings and lord of lords. And all the spoils of war are his too. And what does he do with them? Does he hoard them up for himself? No, he gives them to his people because he's a good king. Listen, many of you own businesses. Many of you know how important resources are. You gotta have resources to be able to get things done. Our God owns all resources in not only in space and time, but outside space and time. Everything belongs to him. There is never... Be encouraged, church. There is never a lack of resource in the house of God. He gifts us to love and to serve one another, which makes his, who doesn't want the name of their king to be great? Who doesn't want the name of Jesus to be on the lips of even the heathen? 
Because they see his cross, his life, his salvation lifted up through the way we are loving and serving one another. This is the purpose of the gifts. We're not done. Let's go to 1 Peter. One more. Because it's not just Paul that talks about gifts. It's Peter too. And watch how similar the language is. Speaking to an ent- a, a different apostle. Speaking to a different group of people. People scattered. The diaspora. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober. Which by the way, the end of all things. He's not talking about the second coming of Christ. He's talking about the end of the Judaic age. This generation of apostles saw the temple destroyed. The priesthood abolished by Rome. And the birth of the new age of the church comes into full impact in society. Uh, there was a there was an overlap of the, the age of uh, Israel versus the age of the church in a 40-year generation. That's why Jesus said, you're going to see these things in your generation. And sure enough, John was there and watched Rome destroy the Judaic system, which has never returned because it is the church's time until the second coming of Christ. That's the age we live in. That's not the sermon for this morning. I just figured I'd get some emails. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. One of the things we're going to talk about in these gifts, they're not for us to to be King Kong and beat our chest and look at me. Let's build a brand around my gift. And I want to start a podcast about my gift because my gift is... uh, That's not, all the gifts are centered. We're going to see it in chapter 13. Chapter 12, uh, Paul unloads these gifts in Corinthians. But chapter 13, right in the middle, is an entire chapter we call the love chapter. Which says things like, love's not selfish, love's not rude. Love is kind, love suffers long. Uh, Love conquers all. All all our theology of using gifts given by the Holy Spirit to love and serve one another to make Jesus great should be grounded in us, not fighting over who gets what better gift, but in loving one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. I just had a conversation with a brother in between services. And he, uh, like, like so many conversations I've had, you know, there, uh, there's four or five people that really did not like my sermon on head coverings. And he came up to me, especially the Amish joke that happened in the first service. You guys didn't hear it. I cut it out. But, but what I said is, you know why people go see the Amish? Same reason they go to the zoo. They're not reaching anybody was the point. So he didn't like that. But he, he just came up and, and told me, he was like, Brent, I, I said some bad things about you. He said, I didn't say it to anybody else, but at home, in where my wife could hear, I really said some, some bad things about you. And he said, I'm sorry. I just want you to know I'm sorry. You make jokes. That's kind of how God uses you. I shouldn't have been so offended by that. Uh, I want you to know. I mean, that is, man, that praise God. That is awesome. I have felt more unity uh, over this issue of head coverings and the conversations I'm having with people who want to take that literally. And, and that's the way things should be, amen? We should be able to love one another as we serve one another, not focusing on what might divide us, but focusing on the unity that comes in Christ Jesus. Thank all of you for loving me through my quirks, through my jokes. You know, some people say it's a sin to joke in church. I disagree. <laughs> I think God's people should be happy and funny. 
But right, but thank you for those who are like, man, you Brent, you give the word, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with your imperfections because I need to help, I need you to, to help me. I, I do have imperfections just like you do. We gotta give grace to one another. Love, the love of Christ is what uh, get, makes us able to do that. So these gifts that He's given us, we can actually serve one another with. Because it's not about us. What's the point? To make his name great. Let's go back. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Gifts. Of grace, it's grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, that's prophecy. Anytime you hear me, and we've talked about the gift of prophecy a lot, uh, I take the definition of prophecy straight from this text to rightly speak the oracles of God, to rightly take what God has already said and speak it in a way that uh, that truth is communicated to another person. That's prophecy. It's not. Star Trek, weird. You're going to grow hair. Mm, the Lord's just told me you're going to grow hair on your chest and your back. <laughs> Duh, I'm a man. That's going to happen. You're not a prophet. Shut up. Uh, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, right? So there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. Because this is, it's that important. It's not just one verse in one place. It's not some niche thing in the New Testament. It's spread out everywhere. These gifts are important. And I want you to have everything. I want you to want. I want you to desire. The Bible says desire these gifts gifts who doesn't want to be used by God to serve and love one another so that Jesus is glorified and his name is great and his name is on the the tongues of uh, of even uh, the, the unbelievers because of what he's doing in us through us and among us that's what we want amen all right let's go verse eight four to one is given the spirit and what oh. ah let me point a few things out first before we get into these four gifts. I want you to look at the repetition in these few verses. Look first at verse 8, four to one. And then you go down and it says to another. And then you go down to verse 9 and it says again to another. And then again in verse 9, to another. And then in verse 10, to another. Uh, then uh, also verse 10, to another, to another, to another, to another. Nine times, nine gifts given by the Holy Spirit, nine one another's. Here's what that means. That repetition is clear. Not everybody has all these gifts, but there is a gift for everyone in God's kingdom uh, to serve and love one another, to another, to another, to you, to the person next to you, to the person over there, to the person behind you, to the person in front of you. None are exempt from our good, victorious God giving his gifts. You are supposed to be here. Let me show you my reform side a little bit. God is sovereign. You are supposed to be here. If you are a Christian, it has not taken God by surprise. He's been involved in that process. He's the one who does the work. And if you're in this room as a person who loves Jesus, there are gifts that God gives. And you are a part of it, Christian man. And you are a part of it, Christian woman. You are a part of it, uh, man, in your 70s. You are a part of it, young lady, in your 20s. You're, there's, there's nothing that exempts you from the gifts that God gives to make his name great by us loving and serving one another. That's how good he is. Also, notice verse 8 given through the Spirit. Notice also in verse 8, according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, by the same Spirit. 
by the one spirit. Verse 11, and the same spirit five times. Nine gifts, nine one another's, five times. The same spirit that does all the work. So here's what you can't do. You can't say, well, I can see how the Holy Spirit would give wisdom, but I don't know nothing about this other miracles. No, it is the same spirit that gives all of these things to the church. And listen, we're going to fix it to talk about, let's let's read verse 8. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. Let's talk about this first gift. Utterance can also be translated word. Many of the Bibles do translate it a word of wisdom. Let's unpack this. And here's the thing. And all my cessationist brothers, I want you, I want you to hear me. Because I know the guys you've learned cessationism from. I know and love many of them. I love John MacArthur. I know John MacArthur was writing books because the charismatic renewal movement and the third wave new movement were nuts. So of course he took a strong position against. But I also have heard John MacArthur say out of his mouth, I have been in counseling situations where God gave me a the word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. They're two different gifts. We'll talk about how different they are in a second. Where I knew something was going on that they weren't telling me. I've heard Doug Wilson, right? I've heard him say, yes, God has revealed certain things to me about people before uh, that I couldn't have known if he had not revealed. So even cessationists are using and operating in these gifts. And praise God, they're truthful and honest about it. Because God does this. What is a word of wisdom? Now, there's, there's just plain wisdom. There's, there's unbelievers that have a form of wisdom. And isn't it the truth there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Isn't it? The, I, here's, here's the problem with our country right now. Nobody, schools don't teach critical thinking anymore that produces wisdom. We need more wisdom. And you can have wisdom. Where does, where does wisdom begin? Jesus. Fear of the close, that Jesus is never a wrong answer. <laughs> it's never a wrong answer. <laughs> but scripture teaches that fear of the Lord is the beginning of why are so many unbelievers so dumb? Because they don't fear the Lord, which causes them to do crazy, silly, un- unthinking things uh, in their lives. The beginning, fear of the Lord to know that there is a God, that He is holy, that He is righteous, and that He has taken names. Man, that begins to produce wisdom and critical thinking in our minds on how we should live. There's a lot of people that have wisdom. Solomon is one of the great examples in the Bible. When King David died, Solomon was made king, anointed king by the prophet uh, according to God's word. And God asked Solomon, he said, I'm going to give you one thing to help you be king. What's the one thing you want? And instead of, you know, I want to be rich. I want to have all this stuff. I want a cool chariot. Uh, give me, I want horses that are a different color than all the other horses that people have. He didn't ask for any of that dumb stuff. He asked for wisdom that he could lead God's people in a, in a holy and righteous manner so that it would be good for them, that they would be blessed and that they would flourish. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. This is what wisdom looks like. Two process. This is all found in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible talks about two prostitutes. And they both work in the brothel. And they're both there every day. And so they both get pregnant. One just a couple months after the other. So one baby is born. It's healthy. It's a beautiful baby. The mother loves the child. She's uh, nursing the child and raising the child. A couple months later, the other prostitute has her baby. And that baby dies. And so in the middle of the night, when she found out her baby was dead, she went and switched babies. It's kind of like that Jim and Pam thing that happened when in the office. Wrong baby! So she puts the dead baby in the other, and she takes the live baby. And the, the, the one mom wakes up, the baby's dead, but she knows immediately what mom doesn't know, that's not my baby. 
You carry that thing around for nine months. You gave birth to it. You know what your baby looks like. Um, she's like, this isn't my baby. And the other prostitute's going, oh, yeah, that's, that's your baby. Sorry that they're dead. So obviously, we got to get the king involved. We got we to have some judicial decision-making happening here. So they come before Solomon. Oh, one, one lady's got a dead baby. One lady's got a live baby. And they're both saying, oh, no, this is my baby. And, right. and so what's Solomon to do? Well, Solomon has developed wisdom. He's been given wisdom by God. He understands. He, he doesn't know whose baby it is, but he understands human nature, which is what wisdom is. Wisdom is not different from knowledge in that wisdom takes knowledge and is able to apply it in real-life situations uh, that bring blessing and flourishing, not destruction and despair. So Solomon knows human nature. He doesn't know whose baby is which, but he has a solution. It is wisdom. He says, bring me a sword. And he takes the sword, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to chop that baby in half, and you can both have a half. <laughs> Brit, that sounds sadistic. That doesn't sound like wisdom. But it is wisdom. Why? Because Solomon knows the true, real mother will not allow her baby. She would rather not be the baby's mother, because that's what motherly love is. She would rather lose her baby than have her baby destroyed in front of her. This is how wisdom applies in real life settings. Solomon had it, and we should want it. We should desire it. And we can grow in wisdom. You know, the, the first stage of learning is exposure. This is the fun part. How many of you, you know that, man, you hear about dragons in Revelation. You're like, ooh, I want to learn all about that. Then you start going to Genesis and the serpent of, oh, that was a dragon at the tree. And you just start learning all this theological stuff. And it's cool and it's fun and it's exciting. But exposure then moves to familiarity. You kind of hit a, a wall where you don't want to study anymore. You don't want to read anymore. You're kind of, meh, you're kind of bored with it. Most people stop. They, they, they stop at knowledge and they never get to wisdom. But it's that next phase, that continued effort and work to grow, to figure out all the holes, to, to, to bring it on, to ask the right questions, to see the blind spots. You know, we all have blind spots. The problem is we don't see them. I had a pastor tell me one time when we built this building, he said, you're going to build your blind spots into what you build. That is wisdom. That's an older pastor helping a young pastor like me think through some things that were our blind spots to me that I, I didn't even know I didn't know. By the way, I also got that phrase from that pastor. You don't know what you don't know. That should scare all of us. When guys start talking theology and shop like they know everything, I'm just like, Oh, one day you're going to realize how stupid you sound. You don't know everything, and you're building your blind spots into what you build. But if we keep at it, if we, don't get, if we grow out of that familiar mess stage, and we move to true understanding, that's where wisdom... Now listen, you can be young and have wisdom. Just Now, now wisdom, gray hair is a sign of wisdom. But how many of you know old people that are dumb? Just because you got gray hair don't mean you have lived life and practically applied all the knowledge that, and you have grown into wisdom. But a lot of old people are very wise because they've lived life. The, the older I get, the more my, I, I've said this before, the older I get, the smarter my dad becomes. <laughs> the older I get, the more I'm seeking because, man, come on. There's 4 million 20-something podcasts out there that all talk like experts that I know are going to change their mind in 10 years. How many pundits have you seen? You know what I love on shows is when some pundit gets on TV and is like, blah, 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 and then they show clips of 10 years ago. They said the exact opposite thing. I love that stuff. I love that exposure. <laughs> right? Growing... In wisdom. Now, there's the practical wisdom, but there's also a spiritual dynamic to all these gifts. 
Because how many of you have sat at Starbucks and somebody's pouring their heart out to you? That's why I love the verse where Jesus, Jesus says, don't be worried about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. What do you think that means? It means when you're sitting there and somebody's heart is broken, somebody is devastated, life is not treating them in the ways they want life to treat, and you don't know what to do, but all of a sudden some verse pops into your mind that you can apply to that exact situation. That is, this doesn't have to be a woo. Of course, why wouldn't God do that? Why wouldn't God use you to serve that broken person? God loves the broken. He wants to restore. He wants to reconcile. He wants to heal broken hearts. Why, why would we come to this and be against it? No, God doesn't do that anymore. You're crazy. There has been so many times where God has given me the right thing to say at the right time. By the way, he's doing it right now. I'm not that smart. But I've been in those meetings She's upset at him for this, this, and this, and he's upset at her for this, this, and this. And just all of a sudden, I see right through all the language to the, the actual problem that they're having. And God gives me the right verses, the right words of God to speak into them. That cuts the clutter, cuts out the fog, and brings clarity to the situation for the good of that couple. The word of wisdom. But how does wisdom differ from the next? A word of knowledge. Wisdom takes knowledge and applies it to every life. Knowledge is, is simply knowledge, knowing right answer. And how many of you, you've been in this situation where somebody has a specific need and you're able to, to speak a word of knowledge, something that is intelligent, that serves and helps them, the right word of God for that right moment. Right? We need encouragement spoken to us that comes from God's word. We need it at times. We need that person. And, and by the way, so there's normal knowledge, but there's also a spiritual dynamic to this. Because I've also been in a counseling room where something's going on and, it, man, it just hits you. He's being physically abusive to her. That's not anything I should know, but it comes into my head. And when, and when something like that happens and you speak it and they start crying and, that, and you realize it was true, man, give glory to God because you couldn't know that. But God gives us the knowledge that we need to serve and to minister to one another. And again, every cessationist pastor I know has had that happen to them. You might want to call it intuition. Why not call it what the Bible calls it? A word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. An example of this in the New Testament is Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira are two Christians. Lots of people are selling their land and giving the money to the church. So they want to be part of that group. They want to be part of the group that when the building gets built, there's a little plaque with their name on it. Right? Ananias and Sapphira want their name on the plaque. So they sell some land, and instead of, they keep some money back for themselves. Now, look, is that wrong? No. If you've got something worth value and you want to sell it and, and give 10% to the Lord and then go buy a golf cart with the rest of it, that's your prerogative. That's not a sin in and of itself. But what was the sin that occurred? Ananias and Sapphira came and said, Ananias first. He said, we sold this land. Here's all the money. for." He's a liar. His back pockets were full of dollar bills. But he says, here's all the money. Because he wanted people to say, oh, look how great. Look how righteous. Look how wonderful Ananias is. But he's a liar. He said, here's all the money. And the apostle Peter, in that moment, looks at him and says, that's not all the money. You've lied to me, and you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias drops dead. Why? Because God wants to teach his people the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. 
And he does that through giving a word of knowledge to Peter that Peter couldn't have known, but God helped him to know it so that God could do what he wanted to do in the church. This is what God does. Let's move on uh, to another. Look at verse 9. Faith by the same Spirit. Now, this is not salvific faith. Everyone who is a Christian, the Holy Spirit has already come to and given you a new heart that caused you to choose Jesus, to love Jesus, to pursue Jesus. It's called regeneration. It's throughout Scripture. So the Holy Spirit's already at work in every Christian's life. And we already have faith to believe that Jesus is God who lived the perfect life and died in our place for our sins so that we can be saved from our sins. And have assurance that heaven is our home. It's not just a a place. It's where we are going to reside with Jesus forever. So what is this gift of faith? This is additional faith on top of your saving faith to get you through uh, uh, a trial or to get you to cross a mountain that may be standing in your way. I just finished a chapter uh, from Zechariah that we're going to start in February where a mountain is presented and the mountain is all the troubles and all the obstacles that God's people are facing and trying to rebuild the temple in that time frame. And God says, you see that mountain? I'm going to take that mountain and I'm going to level it and I'm going to make it a plain before you. The people needed to hear God's word and they needed to have extra faith. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17, there there is faith that can move mountains. Zoran mentioned the woman with the issue of blood. That's That's a special kind. I'm sick and I know Jesus can help me. He may not, but I know he can. If I can just get to him, that's faith to move through the crowd when you're not even supposed to be part of the crowd because you're unclean, but you'll move through the crowd anyway, putting your life in danger and at risk just to get to Jesus. This is the kind of faith that God gave Sarah and I when we moved here to plant a church. I will never be able to to tell you how discouraging those early days were. We didn't know this area. We didn't know one person that lived here. I'm just, I'm this young, woo, God called me to plant a church. It's going to be easy. Not easy. Just so you know, you are sitting in an absolute miracle right now because this should have never happened. Should have never worked. I had no church helping me. I didn't, I didn't have anything but a blind faith to jump off a cliff and try to do something because I felt like God was calling me to do it. There were so many times, because I had to teach school. Again, nobody's paying my salary while I'm planning a church. I had to work a full-time job teaching school. And teachers, man, I love you, and I'm so sorry. Your job stinks. <laughs> Worst hours, you got to stay over for meetings. They get fill up your planning periods with more work. So you, you got to take work home. It's terrible. And then you get paid beans. <laughs> Teachers, I'm for you. Been there, done that. But listen, I remember one night we were in, nothing was happening. I'm teaching school. I'm trying to figure out the community. I'm uh, uh, meeting people at Starbucks after school to try to pitch this vision. Let's build a church for Jesus. It'll be awesome. Nobody wants to. I remember how I'm, I'm living in a stranger's basement with my wife who's pregnant with our third kid. You want to talk about wanting to quit. And I remember one night she, she just looked over and asked me, she's like, where are people going to come from? And men, come on, some of you can identify with, it was at that moment, I just didn't have any answers. And you feel so worthless as a person in those moments. I just, I don't know, baby. I don't know. But we're going, we're fixing to see. All I could tell her is if God has really called us to do this, it's going to work. He's going to make it happen. That's faith, additional faith in the moment that you need to continue to put one step forward after the other and follow Jesus in difficult times. Why wouldn't you want that? It takes faith for someone who loses a spouse, a wife, or a husband. It takes more than faith in those moments when you are heartbroken 
And it's hard to see God's will. And, and it's hard to even trust God after losing a partner. It takes faith to say, God, somehow I know you're still good. I'm still going to follow you. Man, we should pray that for people all the time. God, just like the uh, parable, the story of Jesus in the Bible, the guy comes to him and says, I need your help. And he says, do you believe? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. We need more faith. As the world gets darker, as things get harder, we're going to need more faith to continue to push through and fight the good fight and serve one another so that Jesus will be made much of. We need this. Last one, another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. I've got a minute left, and this is where I really wanted to plant a flag, because this is important. From the very beginning of the Corinthian letter, what was the problem? There are divisions. Why are there divisions? Two whole chapters about the spirit of the, world, the world's wisdom versus the Holy Spirit and his wisdom. God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. Corinth was a successful place. There was lots of people who had been successful. And they're bringing all that worldly wisdom into the church. We should do this and we should do that. And we should follow this person and we should do it this way. But you know what God loves? He loves tearing down worldly wisdom because it builds our faith when we see him do what only he can do. It's not because of our great uh, understanding or our great advice. Two spirits. One, the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy? You know you're operating in the Holy Spirit if you are making much of Jesus. You know you're operating in another spirit if you are not making much of Jesus. Look at First um, uh, John chapter 4. I won't turn there. I'm just going to read it off the board. Watch this. Because remember, we've seen this in chapter 10. It, there's the table of the Lord and there's the table of demons. You're, you're at one of them. It's the power, it's the prince of the power of the world that is influencing culture and all the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2 says. There, are, there is spirits at work. There is Lucifer, John 8, the father of lies. God speaks truth. Satan comes along and is the first liar, the first one to spin a second narrative. And that's what he and all his demons do. And they want to influence. How can we know we're not being influenced by Satan? Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. How can you know them? Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist who you heard was coming now is already in the world. There's been lots of Antichrist. There'll be a final Antichrist. I don't have time for that. Look at the testing the spirits part. How do you know? How do you know if that Christian ministry podcast is really making disciples and doing a work for Jesus? How do you know if an organization you're giving money to is really doing gospel, Holy Spirit-filled work? You look at the fruit. Jesus says, you know the tree when you look at the fruit. Do people leave that, that organization, that person loving Jesus more, wanting to serve Jesus, wanting to serve one another so Jesus can be made great? If so, that's the work of the Holy Spirit using whoever that is, whatever church is, whatever organization it is. If you walk away bitter and grumbling and mad and, and, and questioning people and questioning other, other things, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's another spirit. That's another narrative that comes from Satan himself. Look, as we walk through these gifts, it is your job to test the spirits. Look at, um, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 quickly. Do not quench. I, I will never understand. And I know the answer. It's just satanic. There are good people, Christian people, who listen to a different spirit and get all off track. 
When, do not quit. If you see the Holy Spirit at work, if you see people leaving church loving Jesus more, if you see people being baptized, I got a, a, a call the other day, uh, uh, one of our own, Guy Silva, who's serving our country, he's like, I want to get baptized. I want you to do it. Please, what's the next baptism? I mean, God's doing, God's doing work, good work. Anytime Jesus is being glorified, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Don't quench that spirit. Don't do it. Why would you want to? See, see, he who has ears, let him hear, Jesus says. There's some spirits you shouldn't want to quench. There are others you should, though. Let's keep going. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise when God's word is rightly proclaimed in ways that bring God's understanding to people's hearts. Prophecy is a speaking gift. And it's done right when someone is speaking the words that God, we know come from God. And guess what? Men can prophesy and women. Paul does not despise prophecy. Paul does not uh, tell the ladies, that, ladies, you can speak rightly the oracles of God. And praise God for when that occurs, right? Because you're, you're blessing somebody you're sitting across from. You're teaching them what God says. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. For, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. How do, how do we know what's good? Does it make much of Jesus? If it does, that's from the Holy Spirit. Honor that. Submit to that. Be part of that. Ask God to help you, to gift you in ways that you can make much of Jesus too as you love and serve one another. But you got to test the spirits. And if it's not making much of Jesus, if it's not lifting Jesus up, you don't have to wonder where that's coming from. It's coming from another spirit. And that spirit is a demon from hell, which is why Paul says everything that presents itself against Jesus Christ is the doctrine of demons. We gotta be smart and we've gotta be faithful and God's gonna help us. And did you like that? Those are four awesome gifts, right? It does get harder from here, just so you know. <laughs> We're gonna get into some other stuff in the next several weeks, but here's our moniker. Just be cool and don't be weird, all right? God's gonna help us. I love you guys, thank you. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for the extra time. Help us. Help us not be scared of what you want to do, but God, help us to, to ask, to desire gifts, to, and to be used with these gifts that you give to serve one another so we can make your name great. It's in Jesus' name every Christian said, amen. amen.